with Kiverno, you really don't need to be a super hotshot programmer to build a simple operator, right? We always felt that policies drive that automation, drive that handoff between dev and ops, allowing each role to kind of still be autonomous and sort of independent. That's where we wanted to make sure that the ability to automate these fine-grained configurations uh, is always possible. You are listening to the Kubeless Podcast, a show interviewing project maintainers for CNCF Sandbox, Incubating, and Graduated Projects. We'll discuss each project to understand where it came from and discuss the roadmap and plans to continue the project. Hi, I'm Mark Campbell. I publish the Kubelist weekly newsletter dedicated to Kubernetes and the CNCF ecosystem. I'm the founder and CTO at Replicated, where we enable cloud-native software vendors like Puppet, Harness, HashiCorp, Sneak, and many others to operationalize and scale the distribution of their modern on-prem software. Check us out at replicated.com. The Kubelist podcast is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. Finally, sign up for the Kubelist weekly newsletter and read previous issues at kubelist.com. On this episode, I had Jim Baguadia and Ritesh Patel from Nirmata on to discuss Kyverno, one of the newer sandbox projects. Kyverno is a policy management and enforcement controller for Kubernetes, but with some pretty unique and powerful functionality. We start out talking about why they created Kyverno and the history of the project. Then we go really in depth talking about what Kyverno does and compare it to Open Policy Agent and other tools in the ecosystem. The project really surprised me with what it can do today when you get into generators and even the possibility of replacing some custom code and operators with a cleaner and easier to maintain YAML specification. This is a really cool project and I'm excited to see how it's adopted in the future. Hi, today I'm joined by a couple of maintainers of one of the newer CNCF sandbox projects, Kivarno. My guests today are Ritesh Patel and Jim Baguadia from Nirmada. Ritesh and Jim are founders of Nirmada and have created Kivarno. Welcome, Ritesh. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Mark. Uh, this is Ritesh Patel. Uh, I'm co-founder at Nirmada, also lead products and marketing. And nice to be on this uh, podcast. Great. And Jim? Hey, Mark. Uh, this is Jim Baguadia, and thanks for having us. Great. So before we dig into the Kivarno project, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Nirmata. What does the company do? Yes, yeah, so Nirmata is a management plane for Kubernetes. And of course, as enterprises everywhere are trying to run Kubernetes clusters and workloads, our approach is to kind of unify both of those concerns and provide a complete management plane that not only can bring up or you know, connect to existing clusters, but also does workload management and integrated policy management. Great. Yeah, that makes sense given what the little bit that I know so far about Kiverno. So great. How long has Nirmata been around? So we started Nirmata in 2013, and that was, of course, pre-Kubernetes. So we were in the Docker ecosystem where we did you know, quite a bit of consulting as early projects were migrating to containers, containerized workloads then. We also had a solution in the Docker ecosystem. But really what was exciting to us was seeing the growth of Kubernetes from the beginning, how that you know space evolved. Kubernetes, of course, as everyone probably remembers, started around 2015, but really it was about 2018, 2019 when we saw the maturity of the product for enterprise use cases. So our customers tend to be larger or mid-sized enterprises. They are a little bit you know, more traditional or slower moving in terms of migrating some of their core applications. So certainly we were looking for those key inflection points and the maturity of the project. And around 2018 is when we launched the Nirmata Kubernetes platform. Yeah, that tracks pretty well. I think, you know, around you know, Kubernetes has been around for what, about five years or so at the time right now. And, you right. know, we're rebuilding everything into the Kubernetes ecosystem. And there was definitely like some inflection point around 2018, 2019, where it just seemed like, okay. Compose is great. Like all these other schedulers are great, but you know, <laughs> Kubernetes won at this point. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of, I remember in the first couple of years, it's like Swarm versus, you know, Mesos and Kubernetes are all three going to be, you know, viable options. How do you choose? Of course, all of that's gone now. And, you know, we can sort of focus on building on Kubernetes, which is awesome. And that clarifies things quite a bit for customers too. Yeah. Twitter, you know, wrote Mesos and Twitter now adopts Kubernetes and Mesosphere is now a Kubernetes company. Yep, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. So we're going to dive into, you know, quite a bit here today about the transition, I think, and how you're actually implementing everything on Kubernetes. Right. So let's do that. Let's dig into Kiverno. Can you help me understand? Let's give us a quick overview of what the project does. 
Sure. Yeah, let me give a quick overview and I'll let Ritesh sort of jump in with some context too. So Kiverno is a policy management or a, you know, solution for Kubernetes, right? And it started off as a module in Nirmata itself. So as we looked at, so both Ritesh and I come from uh, operations and management background. We built centralized management planes in various domains uh, like telephony, networking, submission so critical 24-7 type of domains. And what we learned over the years is that, you know, for operational concerns, policies are really essential to become like that glue, uh, not just for enforcing and validating sort of security and best practices and things like that, but also for automation and advanced sort of intelligent management, right? And policies sort of become that glue function between different concerns. So... What we, as we were approaching this space and looking at some of the challenges that development teams and operation teams face, one thing that became obvious is, of course, you know, you want Kubernetes itself, containers, all of this drives agility. But then what's also required is each one of these functions requires autonomy and wants to do self-service, wants to perform their jobs the best they can without, you know, having to create tickets, wait for, you know, somebody else to look at that, you know, eliminating all of those manual um, procedures and functions. So to achieve that, policies become that handoff really between dev and ops. And as we realized that we had built a policy engine within uh, the Nirmata platform and as Kubernetes matured and there were features like, you know, um, the whole CRD feature became a fairly robust and mature, I think around 116, 117. And then, you know, the whole also admission controllers with webhooks, both validating and mutating, that became available. It just then at that time, it made complete sense to move you know, what we had built within our management plane down into the control plane, make that an admission controller in Kubernetes and approach this problem space in a manner that was very native to Kubernetes itself, right? So that was the early motivation and the beginnings of Kiverno. And then it was just recently, like you mentioned, in November that we donated it, we made Kiverno a CNCF project. So for the first few months, about eight months, eight to 10 months, we you know, had a, our own open source project. We saw some momentum on that. And as the community grew, it just made sense to you know kind of introduce it as a CNCF sandbox project. Yeah. And I think we're going to dive in a little bit later into you know the benefits that you've seen since donating it to the CNCF, because that's, that's always super interesting. So you, you mentioned a lot of different stuff there about how Kiverno works. It is policies written as custom resources and then applied through a CRD that's running as an admission controller in Kubernetes. Is that an accurate description of it? That's correct, right? So there is an admission controller uh, which you know will receive. So Kiverno registers for all API requests coming in, but then has a cache built in which is where it loads all of the policies uh, that you would install either as part of your default deployment or you can, you know, over time you can add remove policies. So as each request comes in from the API server, we have a very strict deadline of, you know, I think the default is uh, something as low as three seconds. Uh, just as a you know, comparison, I think the uh, by default with the webhook, I think it allows up to 30 seconds, but we have been very aggressive in keeping that low because we want the cache lookups and the policy execution to be extremely efficient and fast. And then once a policy rule is triggered, it can apply various types of logic. So there's different types of rules and we can dive into that, but there's the admission controller. There's also a background scan component, right? So that is, um, you know, just in case something's missed during admission controls or as other, you know, checks need to be done in the background, those would be applied just on a periodic basis based on your resources and other configurations in the cluster. And finally, there's some rules which kind of operate in a hybrid mode. The trigger happens at admission control, but then the actual action is performed later. And a good example of that is one of the you know very powerful features in Kiverno is the ability to generate resources 
based on various triggers. So let's say you set a label on a service and based on that, you want to generate some custom resources like perhaps a certificate. So Kiverno can will detect that the label got set during admission control, but the actual action of generating that resource, we don't want to block the API request. So that is deferred to after admission control and happens in the background. That's cool. That's it, it reminds me a little bit of what operators do often today, right? Like I'll deploy a custom resource and that's going to go do some different things and create other objects. So Kiverno does that in the admission control workflow? That's correct. So, and then one of the things we've heard is a lot of folks who have, you know, either built or are using various operators, they end up, you know, consolidating and perhaps even replacing a lot of those using kernel policies. So now, you know, if you were doing using one operator, perhaps inject a sidecar, perhaps other operators to generate other resources. You can consolidate those, write some policy rules, which helps you automate all of those type of behaviors. So it's a combination of doing some validation checks, of perhaps mutating resources, mutating data as needed, and then even triggering other changes uh, that happen. Just wanted to jump in here, Mark, and you know, this operator analogy is awesome because um, you know, in the early days of uh, Kubernetes, um, you know, you saw a lot of buzz around, you know, writing operators and uh, for every little, you know, use case, right? And, uh, uh, you know, that was promoted, obviously, in the community by a lot of large vendors. And uh, now with Kiverno, you really don't need to be a super hotshot programmer and learn Go or whatever language to build a simple operator, right? An operator which, like uh, Jim explained, you know, that does some validation, that injects some configuration. All of that can be done very easily with a few lines of YAML. And in that sense, you know, Kiverno pretty much, you know, democratizes that aspect of customizing your Kubernetes cluster to meet your requirements, you know, as a platform engineer or cluster operator. So it's a very powerful uh, use case that we are seeing emerge in the community. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I can write Go code and fight Go mod and set up a CI/CD pipeline and everything to, to do it and then deploy that and then manage it or or write YAML. And it sounds like if I just take Kivarno, then I write YAML and I get GitOps to do these transformations, these mutating operator style you know, logic with just a few lines of YAML. Correct. That's absolutely correct. So Kiverno is not the only policy management application or project in the CNCF ecosystem. You know, the the big one obviously is Open Policy Agent. You know, they just recently graduated. How do you compare Kiverno to OPA and like where are the strengths and the nuances where each of those projects like shine? Good question, right? And something that of course as you can imagine comes up often as folks are looking at the projects trying to decide what to use. So OPA is a great tool for writing policies and as you probably are aware like it uses a language called Rego in which your policies are written, right? If you're using OPA, the value is that you can use the same way of defining policies and these policies now are externalized from where you're applying policies. And you can do that across different systems. However, you know, what we saw and before we sort of built Kiverno, we had several discussions with several of our customers at Nirmata, other folks in the community. I think everybody could agree that OPA was solving an important problem, but there still just seemed to be something missing in that experience for Kubernetes administrators, which is our target audience, right? From both from our business point of view and also from a Kiverno perspective. So there, as we dug in a little bit deeper and tried to understand what some of the challenges were, uh, the main challenge was, you know, context switching between the mental model that you have when you're working with Kubernetes is, of course, driven through the declarative configuration management approach. And that, you know, very simply means As a Kubernetes administrator, you're used to defining the desired state, and then the controllers work hard internally to match the current state to the desired state. And that's what we do with every resource as we specify that, and we put that in our GitOps pipelines, et cetera, for any Kubernetes resource. So the question we started asking is, why can't we do the same with policies? Why does it have to be this complex external language, which is sort of a 
different paradigm, requires a different way of thinking of things, perhaps a different team to build these policies, where as an admin, I just want to do certain things. I want to automate tasks. I want to validate configurations, maybe perhaps do, you know, insert some best practices, things like that. Why not take that same approach and make it extremely natural to, you know, anybody who understands what a deployment or a pod or a stateful set looks like should be able to, you know, whip up a Kiverno policy was the goal we sort of set. So that's what we started evaluating. And, you know, as we kind of dug in there and said, what is the minimal syntax and to still allow for these powerful operations, but, um, you know, do this in a very natural manner to Kubernetes. The other thing we decided up front is we wanted to focus on Kubernetes, and that allowed us to take advantage of every pattern, every idiom, every kind of other nuance of how Kubernetes operates. Like, for example, being able to recognize that, you know, pods are created by pod controllers and designing for that, uh, being able to understand how finalizers work and, you know, garbage collection works and being able to write, you know, rules where the policies just take advantage of, again, all of those things. So those were some things, you know, that we started out with, which I think helps differentiate the whole Kiverno user experience. And really the goal is to make it extremely natural and easy for Kubernetes administrators, as well as provide a very good developer experience, right? So provide the right feedback. So Kiverno, from the beginning, again, we have had a CLI, a command line tool, and a requirement has always been that the ability to use that tool in a CI-CD pipeline to do offline validations. Uh, The other thing we, in one of our uh, releases, I think about like six months ago or so, uh, we switched completely to structural schema, which allows you to use things like kubectl explain. You can use Visual Studio Code to get help, to get syntax checking, things like that. So just again, making it super easy, seamless, um, and you know, using existing tools like kubectl, customize, etc., to write and build your policies versus what OPA, you would need to, you know, go to Rego, use other tools. Of course, there's plugins and things available to make that easier as well, but it still requires learning a new language and a new approach. Right. So Rego is kind of a general purpose, like it can do everything, Auth N, Auth Z in my application. It just also happens to apply into things like pod security policy or admission controllers through Gatekeeper, but Kiverno's like purpose built specifically to be as simple as possible to like give me everything I need in that context. That's correct. And then the other thing, you know, so mutate as well as generate. So Kiverno does three types of policy rules, right? So validate where you can check for configurations using patterns, using a customized style, you know, approach to declare bits of YAML that you want to enforce. So you can either, uh, as part of validate, you can either block configurations at admission control, or you can passively scan and report configuration errors. And Kiverno creates a custom resource for a policy report as well. In fact, the report that Kiverno uses is something you know drafted by the policy working group in the Kubernetes community. So it's a broader purpose uh, than just Kiverno, but we have adopted that within the Kiverno project. And then you know there's also mutate rules which can allow you to change configurations on an existing resource, and then finally generate, right? So mutate has been added, I believe, by Gatekeeper also recently. There's some support for that, but generate is a feature unique to Kiverno. And, you know, of course, a large part of that was this whole automating that handoff between dev and ops that I mentioned up front as one of the goals uh, for Kiverno. You mentioned a couple of times there in earlier that you're using Customize, and I'm assuming it's Customize with a K, that project that allows you to write parts of YAML that target and replace. Can you explain a little bit more how you're using Customize in Kiverno to let me create these policies? So we were, and Kiverno, the policies were inspired by Customize too, right? Because as we're looking at some of the challenges with you know things like Helm templating and other you know ways of doing configuration, and I think there was a paper published, I believe it was by Brian Grant, 
on you know the whole approach and the mindset behind customize and they talked about some of the different ways of doing configuration management for kubernetes so certainly that overlay style did inspire kiberno policies and the validate rules like i mentioned the other areas where you know kiberno also uses things like strategic merge patch which is also supported by customize right and and that's what we wanted to allow and Wherever possible, again, like when it comes to especially applying mutate patches, Kiverno does, in fact, the implementation also reuses what Customize does for strategic merge patches. There's other syntax on above that we support, but the implementation, the guts of it are the same. And then finally, Kiverno policies being resources itself, it's extremely straightforward to use Customize to customize them. So you can, you know, in your CI/CD pipeline, let's say you want to, you know, um, for certain namespaces, maybe you or certain clusters, you want to validate and report errors through policies. But for others, you might want to block and enforce. A customize is perfect for doing that through GitOps, uh, and that's how we see Kiverno getting used across these pipelines and deployments as well. Great. You mentioned this white paper by Brian Grant, and it is a great white paper. Like we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes here. It really, you know, we use customize a lot in my day job and what we're building, and it helped me just realize, like, wow, configuration management's a hard, unsolved problem. There's like, you know, <laughs> like so many approaches to it. Like Google hasn't figured this out yet. Like, who, who are we thinking we're going to figure this out quickly? So, exactly. Yeah, and that's where you know Kiverno uh, plays an interesting role. And one of the things we debated, and still as we are seeing different usage patterns, there's community discussions ongoing on this as well, is what exactly should happen in the Git repo? What should happen at admission controls? And then, of course, there's operators and controllers running inside the cluster, which are also making changes and creating you know, either resources or updating resources, right? So a good example is if you have a fleet of clusters and if you want to, you know, even do further customizations to your policies, should that be, you know, one of the things we're actively discussing is should we allow config maps which are stored in Git and those get translated to further drive like data-driven behaviors or should those be customized actions and what are some of the trade-offs. Now, of course, if I were doing this in an imperative manner, I could set labels and things like that, but you can't really do label management well with GitOps always, right? Because you have to kind of, you know, maybe go and if there are existing namespaces, things like that, then those labels need to be managed in a different manner. So, yeah, there's still questions like that, and uh, we're exploring those patterns and trying to come up with some set of best practices for how to use each of these components properly across the pipeline. That makes sense. I think, you know, GitOps is a great pattern because, you know, it allows us to like as developers, we know how to use Git and how to make a commit and how to roll back a commit or revert it. And, you know, it allows us to like take all of that and all the power of Git and apply it to what's running in the cluster. But like we have this conversation frequently, does that mean that every YAML that we deploy has to be completely fleshed out and written to the Git repo or is like a mutating or a generate, you know, policy still valid? And, you know, I'm sure like conversations like that are probably super fun and lots of opinions from folks in the ecosystem about that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think what we believe is important is that the state needs to be reproducible, right? So as long as uh, the operations are unimportant and you can reapply them and you can kind of uh, get back to the right state from a Git repo, that's what's important. So for example, you know, to answer that specific question, you know, let's say you're using something like Flux2, you're using that for GitOps. If the sequence of installations is, you know, when that runs, it installs Kiverno, it installs a set of policies, and then it installs the right resources, then you are going to be able to reproduce that exact state because the policies will execute uh, and make changes or generate resources, things like that as required, right? So it's all still being driven through Git and your policies are managed in the same repo. Like we mentioned, you could still apply the, you know, the necessary customizations, things like that. So it actually works out quite well. Um, and, you know, you get reproducible state, which is managed through version control. Yeah. And what we are also seeing a pattern we're seeing is that, you know, there are certain resources which are probably not going to be in Git, right? You know, whether it's like 
anything related to secrets or you know security certificates things of that sort so so those have to be produced somehow for your application and there's several different ways to do that but there's one way to do that is through kivarno's um, you know generate uh, option right where you can generate resources uh, you can trigger certificate generation if you're using cert manager and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. I can put a Helm chart into my repo and Flux has a Helm operator and will deploy it, but that Helm chart is not deployable Kubernetes manifest. It's to your point. It's I can reproduce the exact state through like an idempotent GitOps deployment method, which is really like the heart of what GitOps is. Implementation aside, you know, any there's many different implementations of GitOps. So as long as you have that end state being reproduced, that's really what we set off to do. Mm-hmm. The generate function seems super useful and cool. Was that in from the beginning? Was that always planned to be in Kivarno? That's right. That was one of the key reasons, again, why when we had looked at, you know, OPA and some of the things that were possible. And again, like with, from our customer sort of conversations, we always felt that policies drive that automation, drive that handoff between different functions, allowing each role to kind of still be autonomous and sort of independent. So that's where we wanted to make sure that the ability to automate these fine-grained configurations uh, is always possible. Another great example of this is just even with multi-tenancy and trying to apply that, you know, use namespace-based multi-tenancy. So permissions, role bindings, you know, roles are extremely powerful constructs in Kubernetes, but extremely cumbersome to work with if you're doing this manually or even through like GitOps or something like that, right? It just doesn't fit into that model. What you really need is a way to do this dynamically and in a very fine-grained manner. So with Kiverno, you can precisely generate, you know, very even new roles based on what somebody is requesting, of specifically for that, you know, entity, whether it's a user or some operator, and you can then tear that down once you know that resource or that user removes the, what they're requesting. A simple example is when you're creating a namespace, you can then create you know, a role just to delete that one particular namespace and also to maybe get access to that single namespace for that user, for the owner of the namespace. And then using other projects like you know, the HNC, the hierarchical network uh, namespace controller, you can then allow more flexibility within that namespace. So it leads to all sorts of interesting patterns, and it's amazing to see even in the community what folks are coming up with. There was one user um, who shared like what they have done, and they're using you know a labeling on namespaces to drive things like compliance uh, to PCI requirements, because now they can you know based on the namespace labels, they can make sure that workloads are placed correctly. They're you know pinned to certain nodes for compliance and regulatory requirements and things like that. So it almost becomes like a if this, then that for Kubernetes, right? You can kind of program certain rules and logic and then allow that to all happen in an automated fashion as things are changing in your cluster. That's a great analogy, if this, then that for Kubernetes. The, to be able to like build those pipelines and actually still have a GitOps pipeline is right. crazy powerful. That's cool. I want to dive in to like you know a thing that's happening right now in the Kubernetes ecosystem. You know, Kubernetes pod security policies—they've been around for a while, but I think a lot of people know. Hopefully, everybody knows that they're using them, that they're deprecated and being removed from Kubernetes. And there's there's a cap, um, an enhancement proposal out to replace them. If I have pod security policies, could I just replace that functionality with Kivarno today? Is there anything missing? No, there isn't. It is possible to fully replace them today with Kiverno. In fact, there's a library if you go to the kiverno.io site and click on the policies tab on, on the top bar. You will see there's pod securities and there's just a single one line customize and kubectl command you can use to apply all necessary pod security policies. So where the community, like you mentioned, uh, PSPs are being deprecated, there is a great document out there called Pod Security Standards, which is where you know things are moving towards. The CAP also that you mentioned builds on top of the Pod Security Standards. And the intent is whether it's you know in-cluster implementations, which will be very heavily focused on 
namespace level you know, privileges or applying these pod security standards of whether they're for privilege workloads, for baseline workloads with some you know, security and then restricted workloads with you know, highly sort of uh, enforced security best practices. So those are the three levels described in that document in the pod security standards. And then through the, you know, what's being proposed, uh, you will be able to apply default and appropriate standards to namespaces. So with Kiverno, you get a lot more flexibility, right? And you can, you know, achieve everything you can with PSPs today. And then also go further in terms of if you want to mutate things and also, for example, perhaps even do other updates, uh, whether it's for you know adding in the security context variables or just changing them on the fly. Of course, uh, depending on how your containers are set up, if that's supported, then you can also uh, edit and update things on the fly. But we do have a set of policies we have tested, and we will you know continue to uh, curate and test and support that set of policies for pod security. That's great. So yeah, if you're running PSPs today and they're deprecated, just switch. I'm, I'm browsing through your website right now and looking at the policies that you have on the site. And yeah, it seems pretty complete. Yeah, and we will, you know, there is ongoing efforts so as the cap evolves and, you know, to also based on the pod security standards to be able to come up with some test utilities, whether it's a set of YAMLs or perhaps, you know, even like some sort of conformance tool to make sure that any implementation, whether it's Kiverno or OPA Gatekeeper or others in the future, and the in-cluster implementation are all compliant to the pod security standards. Great. So let's dive into like how you actually created the project. You know, you mentioned at the beginning that there was this policy engine as part of Nirmata and you and you pulled it out and created Kiverno. Was that like a rewrite or were you able to like extract the code? What languages are in? Can you help me understand that a little bit better? Sure. Yeah, it was a rewrite. Um, so we Nirmata uses a mix of Java, Golang, and there's some JavaScript of also. So the initial engine was written in Java, but there was a rewrite, of course, as we kind of did this for Go, but it used a lot of the same concepts and especially around this mutate and generate, which we had built in into Nirmata from the beginning. Got it, yeah. It seems like a lot of projects are being rewritten in Go or Rust now. Right. Um, and just it, it becomes a little bit easier to work in the Kubernetes ecosystem in those languages and those platforms. Absolutely. And, and taking just taking advantages of you know all the controller runtime and the other tooling available in client Go, uh, that made complete sense. When you extracted it out and you were building it as a standalone project, were there technical challenges that you ran into that made it difficult to make it run completely independent from the rest of the Nirmata platform? Not particularly, right? So Nirmata is a set of microservices, so there's fairly loose coupling between different modules, different applications. So you know, Nirmata as a platform, we do other things like cluster operations management, also workload management. Uh, so extracting out the policy engine from that, it of course there was effort involved, but because you know we had already refined some of those patterns, etc., it was more of a translation. And then adapting it to fit in with the Kubernetes API machinery and things like that for admission controls. So the challenges are more in that area. And of course, a lot of things have matured, you know, just in the last couple of years also in that uh, whole spectrum with writing controllers, writing, you know, operators. Like one of the things that we're doing with Kiverno right now is we're looking at what components, how do we, as Kiverno is being used in larger clusters, how do we scale it up? How do we dynamically tune that for different you know, workload sizes, things of that nature? So we see more challenges in that area, but the guts of the policy engine itself was a fairly straightforward translation. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, in the last, I guess, six to nine months, right, Jim, I mean, Kiverno has matured quite a bit, you know, obviously, given all of the community usage and the feedback we have received, you know, it's it's important for Kiverno to be rock solid because it's in the admission control path, right? So, you know, it needs to be very highly available, you know, resilient and process requests at a very, as quickly as possible, uh, we set a very uh, aggressive threshold for processing these requests. And all of that has evolved over time working with the community. And those are the kind of challenges. I, I should say we didn't really have been policy engine was part of Nirmata per se, but obviously, you know, the kind of the scale we are seeing 
as Kivano gets more widely used, um, it's kind of helped shape the project quite a bit. That makes sense. Um, so when you extracted it and you made it open source, was the intent always to try to have it join the CNCF and become a sandbox project and mature? Or was that a decision you made after it was an open source project? So our philosophy with any Nirmata component is if it runs in the cluster, if it's something that applications depend on, we you know open source those components, right? So because we want to sort of minimize the any lock-in or anything like that of which users would have as they're using our solutions. So um, from that point of view, you know, of course, making it open source was always one of the requirements. In terms of CNCF, that was you know something we had always thought we would do that at some point. We just didn't know what was the right timing. And then hindsight, you know, I think we should have done it sooner rather than later because it's just the benefits we get being in the community, being able to collaborate uh, is great, right? So, but the sandbox process has also evolved, right? So as we had looked at some of the initial sandbox projects and the process to kind of get a sandbox project approved, that has changed quite a bit. And, you know, based on some of the evolution, it just made sense to, you know, apply, get the feedback. Of course, one of the main questions was, you know, what we also talked about, how does this compare with other products? What are the benefits to the community? Things to that nature. But there was significant, uh, I think there was sort of unanimous consensus that there is a need for a solution like this. And that, of course, is what we're also seeing with the rapid adoption. That's great. You know, the sandbox process, as you mentioned, has evolved and made it easier to submit and get into the sandbox. But I mean, from what I've been seeing, and I think, you know, what I've been hearing too, it's the quality hasn't really been going down or anything like that. It's just a lot of really great projects out there right now. Absolutely. Certainly one of the benefits we're seeing immediately and uh, is also the collaboration now that's enabled because other CNCF projects are much more comfortable working with Kiverno than if it were a independent open source project, right? And like I mentioned, you know, we have had some collaboration. I mentioned Flux too previously, and there's some work we're doing together with them. There's also some ongoing work with Cert Manager where we're looking at ways Kiverno can solve certain things. And also we've had discussions with the OpenESP folks, with the Litmus Chaos folks. So uh, there's a lot of interesting things that can happen across these projects. And of course, we use other tools like Prometheus, et cetera, you know, as part of our standard offering now with Kiverno. That's great. And I know you just became a Sandbox project in November of 2020, so it's only been a few months. And so this may be way too early to even think about, but has the team started to think through like, you know, what's going to be required to move to the next stage, which would be incubation? We have, and we are, you know, certainly pursuing that path. So Sandbox was made easier, incubation was made, you know, more stringent. That's where the bulk of the work needs to happen. And then graduation is sort of just growing adoption and working through, you know, other aspects of the community management, etc. So for incubation, two main things we are looking at and we will start engaging on very, in fact, this quarter is to go through some initial security reviews for Kiverno. One of the things on that note I should also mention is, so Kiverno is sort of a closed system, right? It works within the cluster and we don't allow like making external calls to any other, you know, system outside of the cluster, the pattern we adopted is something, again, if there are controllers that need to make external calls, they can make those, but then they would populate config maps or other resources, which would drive Kiverno behaviors, right? So we wanted to design Kiverno in that manner where from a security point of view, because it's sitting in an admission control path, you can't just call out to some third-party system or do something else uh, in there. The security review, going back to the sandbox, to incubation, that's a big part of what needs to happen. And then, of course, is growing the community in terms of committers, maintainers, adopters. Uh, there are milestones and certain criteria for that as well. How do you manage internally at Nirmata having an open source CNCF project plus, you know, you're a commercial company and you should be making money and you have this platform, right? So how do you think about features, where they're going to land? Do they all go into the open source project? Or how do you think about, you know, hiring engineers? Do they split time between commercial and open source? Or do you have dedicated engineers working just on Kiverno? 
We do have a dedicated team working on Kiverno. So there's about four engineers working on Kiverno. Uh, we will continue growing that as well. And in terms of the, you know, the product sort of strategy, I'll let Ritesh uh, chime in and kind of give our thoughts and our view on that. And of course, that will evolve also as we uh, see Kiverno evolve. But Ritesh? Yeah, so, you know, in terms of features, you know, we kind of, you know, review them individually and decide if there is an opportunity to leverage Kiverno to automate those capabilities. So one of the things that Nirmata provides uh, is uh, self-service for cluster provisioning or there's self-service for uh, namespace provisioning, which we call namespace as a service. And a lot of those are high-level features that require several different, you know, systems to work together and for those kind of features, there are definitely opportunities where we can leverage Kiverno and especially the mutate and generate capabilities of Kiverno to automate some of the workflow, right? So that those, you know, then translate down. And then there are other set of features where in Nirmata, obviously policy management is an area that Nirmata provides as well. And that's where uh, those set of features are directly related to managing and operating Kiverno at scale, um, you know, Kiverno and Kiverno policies at scale. Depending on the type of features and capabilities, uh, you know, we kind of decide whether or not to integrate with Kiverno. But any features or capabilities around policy management directly relate to Kiverno, whether it's uh, deployment of policies, or, you know, reporting policy violations, and then providing that, you know, feedback loop, alerting, all of those other aspects that an enterprise uh, solution needs. But it's like integrations and in, in management functionality. There's you don't see that you're going to add specific policy capabilities only to the commercial platform. That's all like all policy capabilities, the ability to generate a certain type of a resource or something like that. That's all going to be in the open source project. That is correct. That is correct. Kiverno is that engine and all of the policy capabilities. I mean, the enforcement of the policies and the types of policies that are supported, all of that is exactly the same. It happens in open source. The cloud, the platform, our SaaS is really to enable the enterprise usage of the policy management capabilities. It's a great model. It works. You know, you get like easy early adoption from the project. And then when the, the enterprise needs to wrap their, you know, be able to think about it more from a compliance and an organization perspective. They have that functionality and that tools available to them so they don't have to like go reinvent all that or go build something on top of it. Exactly. Yeah, and one of the things we decided early on is we did not want to in any way sort of, you know, limit or cripple Kiverno, you know, for any monetization strategy, right? So we want to make it easy to use, simple to use, and full-featured by default. But there's enough challenges to solve if you're managing a fleet of clusters, um, or even like, let's say, a dozen clusters, Nirmata solves those problems with integration, with collaboration, with reporting, with all of that built in. But Kiverno is completely, you know, full-featured, can be used with all of the other open source tools that we mentioned, if you know folks are operating or building their own platforms. Got it. So we talked a lot about you know the validating, mutating, and generate type policies and actions, and we've talked a lot about you know the process that it took to build it. Um, let's talk about what the roadmap. What is the team working on right now? What's the next thing that we should see? Yeah, so some several interesting features, and there are, of course, you know, just kind of continuing down the path of more complex policies, more complex operations. Like there's several constructs in Kubernetes where Kiverno can call out into the API server and retrieve data, and then as you're iterating and processing those, so to do more advanced operations, right? Kiverno supports James Path uh, or JMS Path, uh, however folks say it, uh, and that is extremely powerful in kind of extrapolating and extracting, you know, JSON data and then applying that to policies. But we're continuing to sort of evolve to more uh, additional use cases there. But beyond that, there's also very interesting conversations and, and discussions going on. For things like, you know, Kiverno also handling, like, for example, there's a subject self-review type of request that happens during authorization. So there's discussions in the community about that and what Kiverno can do to sort of help elaborate on that and maybe, you know, allow policy-based decisions on it. There's also one of the things we've been looking at, of course, with, you know, uh, as 
things are happening uh, with some of the recent incidents, et cetera, and exploits around the whole supply chain security and image security, right? So that's another area we're exploring. Uh, there was also like some questions and some uh, things coming up in terms of if there are workloads running which are operating in a Kubernetes native fashion, can Kiverno be used for some of the decisions there, right? And that's also another area we're exploring and trying to figure out what comes next. But there are, you know, the published roadmap also, there's features, like I mentioned, with distributing some of the workloads across, like for especially for Generate, uh, if there's hundreds of namespaces and uh, that are batch created, making sure we can scale out and things like that. So yeah, several categories of features. Our roadmaps are all, you know, the active features are all published on the Git repo, and uh, we're seeing also an increasing, you know, like the community growth has been great. So a lot of folks, uh, you know, jumping in, contributing, both in leading some of the design discussions as well as even in implementations. And do you have regular community meetings that folks interested could join? We do. Yeah, we've started with a monthly community meeting, but it's becoming apparent and we were just discussing maybe even going to you know weekly either office hours or additional meetings for maintainers, contributors, because um, sometimes, you know, you need to uh, get on a conference call rather than just Slack conversations or GitHub discussions, things like that. So, yeah, we'll most likely go to a weekly model fairly soon. That's great. Good problems to have. I think, you know, <laughs> being in the CNCF, you get a lot of benefits, but like only one of them, but a big one of them is just the marketing, the outreach, the visibility that you get being in there. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that does help. And I think it's just um, for all of us who have participated and worked in the community, just the, the mindset, the approach, collaborating with any other project that is fantastic, right? And just working together, whether it's on, you know, issues around pod security or any of this has been an awesome experience. So when you see people adopting it, Kiverno, do you see a pattern of adoption where maybe they say, you know, we're going to start with generate. That's obviously, that's, you know, one of these features that you have that nobody else in the ecosystem is doing really well. So that's what we want to do. Or do you see just like, I want to implement and enforce policies at the namespace level? How, what's a common pattern that you see for kind of dipping your toe in and getting started with it? So based on, yeah, recent, uh, again, like the discussions around pod security, that tends to be one entry point, right? So say, okay, well, how can we make it easy to uh, either replace PSPs or adopt if you know PSPs haven't been adopted, what's the easiest way to enforce and start validating for pod security? So that tends to be a fairly common entry point. And then the other one, like you mentioned, is just to generate rules to be able to based on, and namespaces is a very fundamental building block, of course, in Kubernetes. So starting to build these rules around namespaces and different usage models for workloads or for teams within an enterprise. Do you have an adopters file or anything that like folks can add their name to if they're just using just the open source, no commercial relationship at all with Nirmata? Yes, we have added that and we haven't been very sort of active in promoting that so far. So we do have a few adopters who have, you know, added themselves in there, but there will be, you know, as we sort of continue to grow Kiverno. Yeah, one of the interesting milestones that we've been looking at, somewhere around that November, December timeframe, we migrated from uh, Docker Hub to the GitHub container registry. And since then we've been tracking downloads. So it took us about three months to get to a million downloads, uh, but then, in the last three weeks, we have now, you know, surpassed 2 million downloads, right? So just the rate of adoption, the rate of usage has uh, grown quite a bit. And we're certainly very excited as well as humbled to see that. But yeah, in terms of, you know, having the adopters file, that's something that we'll continue to sort of build with the community too and have more public adopters who are presenting their use cases and discussing how they're using Kiverno. Yeah, that's fun. It's always challenging with open source projects to like understand. Not everybody wants to be forthcoming and transparent about how they're using the projects, and that's great. That's one of the benefits of open source. They don't have to, but yeah, seeing those numbers, is that's a lot of uh, accelerated growth. That's cool. Absolutely. So I want to, you know, as a newer sandbox project, I'm curious, is there like a specific use case? Or what, if I want to get started with it, what type of feedback or what use cases or what are you looking for from the community right now? What would be the best way to get involved and help you? The 
first, you know, option is of course to just as you're, you're trying out the policy library, seeing the use cases that are there, and then you know um, any suggestions for new policies, missing policies other examples that need to be solved so that we're constantly looking for those and fairly quick to either help out or, you know help write policies or be able to if new features or extensions are required we can turn those around too so that's what we're looking at you know kind of broadening the set of use cases and types of things that you can do uh, and then beyond that of course there's also Folks from the community who have built things like, you know, taking the policy reports from Kiverno and building tools to be able to visualize those. So there's some really interesting things going on. And then looking for any feature ideas, extension ideas, like we talked about a few different areas of triggers other than just admission controls that Kiverno can use to make policy decisions. Yeah, I'd like to add to that, right? And I think we touched on this a little bit earlier. And if there's somebody in the community trying to maybe write an operator for a certain use case, maybe you want them to look at Kiverno and see if, if that addresses various constructs within Kiverno can address that use case right before they jump into an, an operator. And if not, you know, what are the gaps and how can we address those? If we get that kind of feedback, we can definitely make Kiverno kind of more uh, capable of addressing vast majority of the use cases that people end up writing custom operators for. And I think that's definitely would be a win across the board because, you know, now you have a common way of addressing so many different use cases. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, operators are fun and they're amazing. And I think, you know, they make operating and running software a lot easier, but that doesn't mean we all need to write them in, like we all have to do the same thing. Cool. So I learned a lot about the Kivarno project today. Um, thanks, Jim. Um, and thanks, Ritesh, for joining and digging into the full details and helping me understand it. Thank you, Mark. Uh, pleasure and you know, really excited to see the momentum and growth and looking forward to seeing everybody. We're active on the Kubernetes Slack and the Kivarno channel. So come see us there. Yeah, thanks, Mark, for having us. This was um, great chatting with you. That's all we have time for today. If you're the maintainer of a CNCF project and would like to be a guest on this show, head over to kubelist.com. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com to check out the library. It's packed with amazing talks and content on sales, marketing, product, and more for founders of developer tools companies. And this podcast is brought to you by my company, Replicated, where we enable cloud-native software vendors to operationalize and scale the distribution of their modern on-prem software to their largest enterprise customers. Check us out at replicated.com.